Hello everybody, welcome once again. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, we've uh, taken a little break from our studies uh, throughout December. Uh, actually, it was very nice. Um, every one of the staff pastors gave me a week uh, to uh, chill out during the week. I mean, I was here on the weekends, but, uh, but uh, uh, Fran did a week, and uh, Georgina did a week, and Barry did a week, and Doug did a week. So it was kind of nice for me to, to be able to step back. And, and what a blessing it is to have um, that kind of coverage uh, why we're here. So that was very, very nice. Um, the, uh, where we left off, we were in the book of Romans. Now we're three years into the study of the New Testament and we're going to move into the Old Testament. Chapter at a time, most of the time, is what we're, we're digging into. We, we did the Gospels, um, then, then we did the book of Acts, and uh, as we studied the book of Acts, we got to read about Paul and his missionary journeys, and we talked about those at length. And so we've come out of the missionary journeys then in Acts, and we started um, looking at Paul's letters to the churches. Hopefully that whole story is kind of in your mind about what's going on. And we, we've been tackling them in the order we believe he wrote them. And we've worked our way into the book of Romans, um, and Romans is uh, a little different than most of Paul's letters. Most of Paul's letters were written to churches that he was very involved in starting. And then um, because it was all brand new, they had a lot of questions. And Paul usually got run out of town by the established religious community. They didn't care for what he was doing. And uh, he would only get to stay in a place for three months, six months, you know, a year, maybe. Three years was the biggest chunk of time he got to spend at any one of those churches getting them started. And, um, and so he would have to leave and they would have questions that you can imagine, you know, this, I mean, we, we still have questions 2,000 years in. Imagine being, you know, 20 years into the whole process, you have a lots of questions, and the, and the new Gentile churches were brand new. So um, they, would, they would chase down Paul, they would send people after him, they would uh, write letters, uh, whatever they needed to do, and Paul would respond back to their questions. Very important to remember that when you read through the epistles so that you hold them in that context. That, they, that Paul is often responding to specific questions in, at a specific time. With that said, the Holy Spirit was still involved in the process and the letters are still just as meaningful to us today when we hold them in context and speak pretty much to the same problems uh, and situations because they still exist. We're still dealing with the same sort of sin 2,000 years later and the same sort of issues in the church are, are ongoing and so we get wisdom from Paul on how we're to operate and you know I love Paul because he he really teaches us how important it is that we love God and love each other and allow the Holy Spirit room to to move in our lives and to keep us together in this journey moving on towards the Lord and it is really all about Jesus and when you when we're going to look at Romans 10 today you hear Paul's heart really what Paul wants beyond anything else is to see people come to know Jesus. That's why he does everything he does. That's why he endures everything he goes through, faces every hardship, every struggle, every, every difficulty, people turning their backs on him, um, all the descriptions of things that he, he faces, and he does it all because he just loves seeing people come to know Jesus. He loves it, and it makes it all worthwhile. All, all, all of a sudden, it's like it's all worthwhile. And I always get that when I read Paul. You know, he, every time he sees one more come to it makes it all worthwhile. All over. Oh, this is, that's why we do this. That's what it's all about. There's another one. That's what it's all about. So um, the letter to the Romans is a little different in that Paul um, didn't start this church. Um, we believe the church in Rome was started by people who had um, been at the first Pentecost. And when they went back to Rome, they 
started a church. So Paul's getting ready to visit, or he hopes to visit, and obviously something has come to him that says, hey, they could use a little help out there. And so he writes a letter, and Romans is really sort of a great, um, a great letter to read about uh, what the church looks like and, and how it's really supposed to work. He kind of covers it uh, in, in, in amazing detail about the gospel story and about why we desperately need Jesus. And, you know, the first few chapters of Romans are pretty intense because he's really dealing with sin, but he's pointing it up so that people know they need a savior. And, then, uh, and that legalism doesn't work and that the law wasn't enough in itself and that we needed Jesus and that's kind of the beginning. And then he moves through that and he, he's talking a lot to his fellow countrymen, to the established religious community, the, the Jewish people, and his heart is that they would come to know Christ and yet they're, they're for the most part, resolute in the fact that they're not, they're not going to come. And uh, it breaks Paul's heart. Uh, every time Paul goes into a new town, he always starts by reaching out to his Jewish brothers, hoping that they'll listen to the message and, and come to know Jesus. And uh, some do, but by and large, they reject him. And, and like I said, they're the group that generally run him out of town. So uh, he's, he's in, uh, in Romans 10 now. We've, we've discussed this concept that, um, and it's an interesting concept because, you know, it was, the Jewish people had it, but uh, oftentimes religious people have it today. They feel like because they're born into a certain situation that they're okay. And uh, their they, thing to Paul was, look, we're, we're, we're Israel, and so we're, we're okay with God. And, and uh, Paul says, that's really not what it's all about. You still need to have a relationship with Christ. That's the way in. You have to know Messiah in order to get in. Just uh, what you're born into isn't really enough, and which is true for us. You can be born into a family that loves God. If you don't choose to love God, you've got an issue. Um, it's not enough that, that you know, grandma and grandpa walked with Jesus. Um, you got to, too, and uh, that's the deal. And, and so, uh, you know, uh, some people uh, feel like because they're born into the established religious community today, they're all right, and we know that not to be true. You've got to come to know Jesus, and that's Paul's whole point. As we move into Romans 10, um, he's, he's very emotional in the beginning of the letter, uh, and he demonstrates his deep passion once again for his people. And he wants them to come to know Christ. And, and he, he's pinpointed their problem, um, is that they have disregarded the righteousness that comes from God, and they've sought to establish their own righteousness. And that's what doesn't work. They're trying to do it in their own righteousness, in their own um, uh, way of doing things. I'll just be a good enough person and that's going to be enough. And we've had that discussion. It doesn't work. Uh, you can't get back to perfect, uh, even in being good. And, and yet they're, they're settling in on the fact that they're following the law and that's all that matters. And, and, and Paul says it's, it's not enough. But he goes on then and he says, but there's hope um, for every individual, regardless of their background, um, that, that uh, they can come to know Christ. There's hope for every, uh, every person in Israel. There's hope for all the Gentiles. Um, there's hope because Jesus has come from heaven and he's died and he's risen again. And, and all that we have to do individu as individuals is believe. Um, it's not a matter of doing the law, but of confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in him in our hearts. And um, in this uh, Romans 10 is the, the beautiful verses 9 and 10, which we'll spend most of our time on today, um, that, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord um, will be saved. And that's just this amazing news. So I wanna, we're going to read through Romans 10, 21 verses there is, and then we'll spend some time really talking about 9 and 10 and what that looks like. Romans 10, 1. 
Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what it does it say, the word is near to you, it is in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the end their words to the end of the world. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Powerful, powerful passage of scripture. God has pursued his, his people, Israel, passionately forever. And they have pretty much just turned their backs at him and done their own thing. And he says, look, I've been coming after you with my hands open. My, I, I love you. And they just kind of go, I will chase after our own gods, do our own thing. And, and they miss it. They miss, they miss the whole deal. And so, um, see, God's still like that with people. I love God. God loves you so much that He He's He's always like this with you. Just come. He just he just wants people to come, and and people still get to choose. Will they come or not? And and that's the heart of Romans ten. Will we Will we trust in good works? Um, will we just not care at all and turn our backs, or or will we decide that that life is really found in knowing Jesus and what that looks like? Because that's the truth that we have to deal with. So those, those first uh, 12 verses or so of Romans 10, um, again, talked about Paul's passion for uh, his, his, his people. But then he, he starts to talk about what it looks like to get saved. And uh, um, the question, the, the, the most incredible question that I think we can be asked is when someone asks us, well, how do I become a Christian? That's a great question. 
I hope everybody gets to experience that at some point. If not, I'll be praying that you do. It's a wonderful, wonderful question. And um, Paul sort of gives us the, the, uh, the, the right picture in 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That, that verse gives us this beautiful answer. Salvation is as close as your own lips and heart. Isn't that? I mean, that's... The, how, how, salvation is as close as your lips and heart. You just got to say it, mean it in your heart, and you're in. That's, that's the deal. I mean, that's really how people... Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful answer? Salvation is as close as your lips and heart. And, and, and so... Um, People often want to make it a very complicated process, but it's not. If we believe in our heart and say with our mouth that Jesus Christ is a risen Lord, we will be saved. And then um, in verses 14 and 15, he's kind of making this point. Because um, you've heard me talk about this, and I, and I mean it, that, that um, it's more than words, that we have to live this message out in front of people. I say that, but at the same time I say that, that we have to live this message out in front of people. We have to live it out in the world. That's our mission. At the same time, when the opportunity arises, we need to be able to put words to it. So we want to go and encourage people and we want to be thankful and we want to be kind wherever we can. We want to live this thing out. We struggle. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We're running back to God, getting forgiveness. We want to do all of that. But, But when opportunities arise, we don't want to force them, but when they arise we need to be able to put words to the gospel. What does it look like? How do you, how do you relate to someone? Paul's saying, how, how will your loved ones and neighbors hear unless somebody tells them? See, someone's got to tell them. And that someone may be you. Because you're more than qualified. If you know Jesus, guess what? You're qualified. The moment you know Jesus, you're qualified. I've seen that. And amazingly enough, I've seen, I've, I, I know I've reread it in scripture where the, the lady, the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, Comes to, comes to Jesus in that amazing encounter and she's immediately an evangelist and a huge revival breaks out because she runs back and tells everybody about Jesus and, and they're like, really? And they come and meet Jesus too and, and, and it, it, like, just like that. I've been out uh, in the mission field years ago and we, we prayed this one guy uh, into the kingdom and he went back and brought his whole family. And it was like, it was wild and he was like, here they are and uh, yeah, they need Jesus too. Okay, let's do it. And... Uh, um, and, and see, it's, it's this opportunity that we have to tell people. So my question tonight for all of you, because it's, it's homework, um, are you able to give someone a simple gospel presentation? If someone were to ask, would you be able to tell them in a very simple, precise way what the gospel's about? And see, I think if, you've, if, you, if you, you need to be able to do that without taking hours and hours and hours because you'll lose people. You really, when someone asks you, when you hit that point, you've got a minute or two maybe. And that's all you got. And if you, if you have to break into something that's ridiculously long, you're not going to get there because um, they'll lose you quick. And they'll be like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> um, do you know, can you, can you put together very quickly a, a, a gospel message? 
uh, gospel presentation. And you know, when I when I say that, the good news, um, uh, you know, presented. I, I, and you see me up here. I'm, I I try and do this all the time with people because I have limited time at the at the ends of a lot of these things to talk about Jesus. And you know, you'll hear me say something like, "God's perfect." And we're not. Most people can get that. We're, you, as soon as you've messed up, you're not perfect. And, you, and so we have this gap. There's a problem. And, and we can't get back to it. And they kind of understand that. You can try and be good, but good doesn't get you to perfect. And, and so God came. I, was, I do that. And, and he came as Jesus. And he lived a perfect life. And he did. And we can, we've got the scripture that we could dig into. And he lived a perfect life. And historically, it can be proven. He went to the cross, another well-documented historical fact. And there he, he gave his life. And because he, he was fully God and fully man, that perfect life um, it, given there on the cross was enough to pay for all our sin. It, it, it redeemed us in God's eyes. It, it made it possible for us to have relationship again with God. And, and Jesus went even further than that in that he defeated death and then he rose again. And now what God does is if we'll do that thing with our mouth and lips where we say it and believe it, God now sees us in Christ and the, the, the issue has been taken care of in Jesus. And we can be restored to him. We're not perfect, but he sees us now in Christ and he's with us forever. And so it's as, it's as close to you as your, your lips and your heart getting saved. How was that? That's like two minutes, right? Covers the bases. They might have questions. You can answer some, you, whatever. But, but you know, it's, it's, you, you need to be able to do that. And, and I want to encourage all of you, if you've, if you've never thought about how you would say that, I want you to think about it. And, and, and get it down to as short as you can possibly get it where it still makes sense. You know, you don't want to get down to like a cliche, turn or burn. <laughs> turn or burn, that's it. <laughs> how long is it? Two seconds, I got you. That doesn't work very well. <laughs> so... Um, I want to encourage you to think about that. And then 16 through 21, the last verses, uh, and, and this is good to think about. The, the people of God, the Israelites, um, who God had made so many ways for them to recognize the Messiah when he came, the, Jesus was pictured in all of the feasts that they celebrated, I mean, down to uh, when, when we do communion and stuff and, and the Passover that it came from. Jesus is in every part of that. The Messiah, everything that he does, every one of the seven feasts, the, the four that have been fulfilled and the three that are yet to come, and the four that have been fulfilled, we see Jesus in them at the, at the, exactly at the moments of the crucifixion and the resurrection and, the, and, and all the things that happen. He's in every one of them. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes right when he's supposed to and there's this little pause now um, in this harvest time before the last three feasts get kicked off the the next one is a trumpet sound it's all laid out for them Uh, and yet because Jesus didn't fit in the box they had got in they missed him and so I I always want to think about this because we all have one too Um, every we all like to put God in a box we all do it every every single we all have our own little God box that we put him in this is how God always operates and because that's how we know it, and that's how we know God, and he operates this way. And what I want to tell you is there's no box that has ever been manufactured in anybody's mind that can contain God. And in fact, if he sees it, you've got a box. He'll operate outside of it on purpose. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not going to work for you. I'm going to... And, and if we're not willing to see it, I'm going to be open to it and stay connected. So you have to, you have to, this relationship has to be constant, ongoing. It's not enough. Okay, I've got it figured out now. I don't need anything else. Always in your life, 
trying to get closer to him and loving on him. Um, so my question that would pop out of that, because their box, they miss the Messiah. Um, uh, you know, this is a new year. Check your box out and, and maybe think about, yeah, I'd probably better give it some room to let God operate and to see what he's doing and not be so sure I've got it all figured out. I've got to dig in a little deeper and keep pressing in to him to know him more. So that's what uh, Romans 10 is all about, pretty much, uh, the highlights anyway. And uh, that's good for today. Uh, if you're watching on video or uh, television, thank you so much for spending these moments with us. We appreciate how valuable your time is. And we're so glad that you, uh, you spent some time with us today. And uh, uh, if you need anything, go to the website and send us an email and we'll certainly pray for you. But uh, we're going to call it a night here. Thanks for being a part. We'll see you soon.